I just don't know if there's any such thing as totally working by yourself, right? Like I even consider myself a self-taught filmmaker, but the more I look at it, I was watching YouTube videos. I was given opportunities to film by certain people. Everything was in a way collaborative and off the backs of other people. Creativity and collaboration go hand in hand. Take a look at the credits for any movie and you'll never just see one name. While most creative projects tend to involve some level of collaboration, it's not always easy to bring your ideas to life with other people, or at least to do that successfully. Colin and I have been making videos together for about six years now, and a lot of people ask us how our partnership works. So in this episode, we explore our creative partnership, how it formed and why it's successful. And then we dive into some tips on how to enter into a creative partnership and how to keep it healthy. We both wrote questions for each other, and we'll hear them for the first time on this podcast. Enjoy our conversation on creative partnerships. Okay, so this is our first episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. And on this episode, a question that we get a lot is about how we entered into this creative partnership. People are often curious about how do we work together? How do we balance the structure of creativity in a duo or a partnership? Um, and what are the, the challenges, the pros and cons, advantages, disadvantages of working together with someone? So that, that's been a really unique question we've gotten recently, and I think that's what we wanted to make this first episode about. And I think the more we've gone along, the more we've realized that it's a rare thing to find a creative partnership like this. I think a lot of people either work for themselves or they work in a much bigger organization, right? But to find like a grouping of specifically two can be rare. And I think over the past six years, one thing we've realized is like the role that collaboration plays in creativity. So whether that's in a business where you're coming up with creative ideas or creative solutions, or that's in something that we do like film or photography or art, um, collaboration is such a big part. And there's so many different styles of collaboration. Um, A partnership where there's just two people involved is kind of what we've grown to now, but there's been so many different steps along the way of what the collaborative creative process has looked like. Yeah. And just to set some context here, we're sitting in Samir's apartment and we're joined by Madison Dye, who's helping us put this podcast together. And the way we arrange this is Samir and I both came up with questions separately that we wanted to ask each other about creative partnerships And we gave those questions to Madison. Madison arranged them in a way that he thought would flow. And now we're going to kind of work off that. Yeah. And and one really interesting thing about just the way we're sitting right now, um, Colin and I both on the couch and and Madison across from us, is that Madison reaching out to us, um, you know, we've always wanted to do a podcast, but Madison reaching out to us was really like the the spark that has pushed it to happen, which is something that we'll talk about a lot more in, in collaboration and partnerships. But so... I don't know any of Colin's questions. You don't know any of mine. All I've heard is that your questions are more provocative. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, Yeah, so I'll get started. My my first question for you is, when was the first time that we did something together that exceeded your expectations or a moment when we really kind of knocked it out of the park as a creative duo? Yeah, I mean, as as a, that's a good question. I think as a creative duo, there's probably one specific one that I can think of, that, and that's um, a web series we did called Road to the Rockies. Um, it was a web series that we created going behind the scenes with the Team USA, um, 
lacrosse team. And now I, I wasn't there actually at the production. You flew out solo and shot the entire web series. So it was a first a four part web series mm-hmm. um, and then eventually a six part web series. And it was it was one of the biggest turning points for our business um, and just as as a production company or as like like creating content. Yep. But the thing that was really unique about it was number one, I approached Team USA and and we had talked about it and I threw out the idea without knowing if it could be executed. Yeah. With, without having any idea of how it was going to come together, I just knew that I was going to come back, tell you about it, put you on a flight, and see how it came together. Which became the model yeah. for the rest of our projects moving right. forward, is that you get yourself into a room, you tell people we can do it, right? you come back to me and tell me, and I go, all right? Yeah, so that, that first, I think about exceeding expectations, like I had a certain expectation of what video content was going to look like with Team USA. Um, when you came back with the footage, and we started watching it, and I, it was the first time I had sat with you to actually write and edit something, mm-hmm. and watching you write it out on pieces of paper, and actually like the way that that Colin looks at footage was so unique at that point, where literally had a notepad and would watch a clip, write the name of the clip, so that would be like MVI two nine three zero one, and then right next to it, what was happening in that clip and what was said in that clip. Um, and then started piecing together a story based on that. Um, and, and there was this weird thing when we were sitting together that it was like familiar and it was similar to like writing a paper and we had similar ideas about how storylines could be crafted and mm-hmm. how it could actually happen. But the main thing was that for those couple days, we had this crazy ambitious goal of releasing the series every day, four days in a row. And it was a week after you came back with the footage. So that's nearly an impossible yeah. task. The crazy thing really was the timeline. Yeah. And the organizations that we were working with had a lot of exposure. They were established brands in the space. So the, the bottom line was what exceeded my expectation is that we, we made it happen. We released four episodes in four days within a week's time. And the thing that was really interesting was that we, we stayed up all night to finish one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. We worked 12 hours a day to edit it. And the product still to this day is one of my favorite series that we've ever done. So that exceeded my expectation, but more in the fact that we enjoyed sitting there and working all night on a project. Yeah, I remember that was my, it was around the same time as my birthday. And I remember I had like a small birthday get together dinner and we left that dinner and went immediately back and started editing and we're up all night. Yeah. I remember finding like just thinking about how enjoyable that was to work on that project together. And then to see the final result, I was like surprised and impressed with what we had put together. Right. Yeah. So I think that was the first time that we'd really actually worked on a creative project. Like obviously we had been working together, but it was like actually in the room together, writing, talking, editing, just making things happen. For me too. One of my big goals when I picked up a camera was to make something along the same lines as Hard Knocks on HBO. Right. And that was one of the first times that we had put something together and I looked at it and thought, wow, this is actually close to what I was inspired by in the first place and what made me want to pick up a camera. Yeah. All right. So th- the first question I have for you is uh, prior to moving to Los Angeles, did you ever imagine yourself as a part of like a team or specifically a duo 
and why or why not? Hmm. That's a good question. I think in college, I assumed that I would work by myself. When I came out of Colorado, I was trying to teach myself things so that I could start a business by myself and handle everything by myself. Um, I don't consider myself actually to work that well with others on creative projects. And this was a pretty unique experience to find someone that I did work well with. So no, I don't think I ever thought that I would work collaboratively in a situation like this. What about you? So I, I grew up playing music and I was always in a band. So the way that like music came together was with other people. Like I could play guitar on my own as much as I wanted, but the thing that excited me was when my bandmates would come over and we would put it all together Mm -hmm. uh, and we would think of ideas together. So I was very used to being creative uh, in a group setting. And that's why I asked the question is because I had assumed that you were not. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Still, I don't find that many people that I work super well with uh, as part of a collective. You gravitate towards that. Right. And I find that, you know, when we work with third parties, you work very well and are the, you're the link that communicates for me a lot of the time because I have a tough time communicating what I want creatively, but I think you have a very easy time. It's, it's much easier for you to do that. And I think that's probably one of the most unique challenges. Um, it, it's a requirement in my opinion, not a requirement, but it's, it really enhances the creativity when you collaborate. Um, it does in my opinion, but it's such a challenge because so much of creativity is personal and it comes from inside of you and, and an idea or a thought that you have that it's like, how do you even begin to explain it? I remember playing music. It was always like, I have this idea of how this song could sound, but I could play you a part of that and you could build off of that and, and think about it. I think uh, there's other things, like especially in, in writing or, or in, in video where you have to actually like think it and then put your hands on a keyboard to try and imagine it um, and, and bring it to life, which takes a lot of time. But I think the unique thing that, that has happened over time, over years of us uh, collaborating and working together is that we can have a vision in our mind and the other person has some sort of sense of what that looks like. Yeah. And that's, that's a really unique thing, but it's, it's super challenging when you first start collaborating with someone is how do I, how do I give you a tangible example of what I'm thinking of? And we've grown to respect each other's opinions creatively when we're working on a project and and you may think differently than I do. And I would add to that, if we differ with our opinions, we can communicate through it, pick one side or compromise and then move on. Okay. So question three, question three. Okay. It's really nerve wracking what we're doing right now, not knowing these questions. Okay. At, at what point did you think that this creative partnership could be something that could provide for your future? Because I think it's a pretty bold decision to move forward with the creative partnership like this and to commit to a five, 10 year type of arrangement with the understanding that this could be something that will provide for me and potentially even my family down the line. Yeah. I think that's a similar, 
Like it's really similar, whether it be creative or in a startup, like picking a co-founder, right? Or like thinking about some sort of a, a partnership in any sort of partnership. But for ours, I mean, we, we obviously have had some success, right? As a group. And when I think back to that success, I think about my skill set in that time, um, my skill set and how it was brought to life through your skill set. But more importantly, like you can look at the tactical things that we did and, and look at the um, successes we had creatively, but it really came down to, and still today comes down to just values. And when you look at two people and you look at someone else and you say, do they value the same things as me? And what I mean by that is, you know, are we going to be sitting, working on a project um, and both without having to say anything to each other, understanding that we'll just be here until it's done. Mm -hmm. Like, and we've done that before multiple times without talking about it. Yeah. Um, where it's just, it's 9 PM and we're not done. And if we need to be here until 9 PM tomorrow, it'll be done. Um, and th that from like a work perspective and like, that's one example of a, a similar value, but there's values across, you know, multiple, um, I guess, categories, whether that be family or just life values. And those, like connecting on those values, that's when you can understand that it'll work. I think when you understand the other person's path and saying like they want to make this their lifestyle, you have to have some sort of faith in that, that as long as your values connect and you have a similar goal, um, you're committing to being on a journey. And that's like, that's what you're committing to. Yeah, so, I think family and life values, sharing those and respecting those is almost just as important as work values, as staying, we'll stay here till 9 p.m. or 12 or whatever. I think if you come to me and say, hey, it's super important to me that I'm able to work out in the mornings right. and I can spend more time with Katie at night or whatever, so can we be more efficient here? And I respect that that's something that you want for your life. I want to work to make sure that that happens. And I think you feel the same way with me, that if there's something that I need to do to be a happier, healthier person that work is not doing for me, we will try and work together to make sure that it happens. Yeah. And that, at the end of the day, that's, that's the most important part is like understanding and, and aligning with someone's values so that you can empathize with their process and their needs. So, so you felt that because our values were shared, this is something that you could be comfortable going long on that this will provide for my future. Yeah. Cause that's a financial decision too. Yeah, it is. But I think part, you know, at least for me, like I'm pretty confident just based on the, the history um, of our last business and, and what we've done that what we're capable of doing um, has financial upside. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But it has financial upside so long as we are creating and enjoying creating. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't have much doubt about that side. The only part that is the question for me is that are we year after year going to enjoy creating? Because yeah. as long as we're creating, it's, I, I, I don't have a doubt that it, like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out that, that process and it'll grow. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the work. And if you enjoy doing the work. Yeah. Uh, is it me now? 
I think it's you. Question four. What unique challenges does our creative partnership pose on your personal creative process? So on my personal creative process. So what, yeah, what I mean by that is I think we, uh, I've noticed that I think we both have different requirements to get into a creative flow. We do it together sometimes, but I think like hmm. as an individual um, or individuals, we both have our own creative processes. Yeah. And I'm curious that when you're in a creative partnership, there's oftentimes there's um, deadlines or a project or like styles that one person has to um, like in their creative process. So is, is there like a unique challenge in being together or in a partnership that uh, is posed on your own personal creative process? Hmm. I mean, I find that I'm most creative between the hours of like 1130 at night and two in the morning. And you are probably most creative, you know, from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And those are hours that I'm generally not even awake. (laughs) So, So there's a big difference there. And I find sometimes that I'm most creative by myself because that's always what I was used to. But I find that together, the product that we're able to make is better than something I could make by myself. Especially before I even start creating, the work that you and I do together to set up the opportunity to even create. Whether that be you, again, putting yourself in a room that I probably would not be as bullish and push the door open to be in. Um, You come with this skill set of focusing on an opportunity and then creating that opportunity for us to even, for me to even start creating. Um, so, you know, there's challenges with collaborating because sometimes it's best for you to just be by yourself, or at least for me, it's best for me to just be by myself and not talk to anyone for three, four hours. And then at sometimes I don't want to change the product that I've come up with. And you come with things where you want to change music or structures. And initially I think as a proud creative, my initial response is to want to push back, mm-hmm. um, but then to realize that if we talk through it and work through it, this product will be better in the end. Yeah, and I think I, I thought of this question specifically because I thought over the years of how many different formats we've had to be in um, to come up with ideas. And especially when I think about the conference room and a lot of companies that are based, like ide- ideas are created in a conference room, right? Like in a lot of company structures. Okay. Um, you, you sit in a conference room and you come up with ideas. Now I think about since, since we've been out of that situation where we're, we're not in a conference room anymore, really ever. I think we both have different uh, processes and you mentioned it about like 11 to 2 AM is your time. Like 6 AM to 9 AM is oftentimes my time. I require a lot of structure. I, I really enjoy a to-do list. I enjoy, um, putting myself in a, like a work environment to sit, but I also sit alone and like to come up with ideas alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you do as well. And when we come together, we, we have a different process, but there's times also where an idea is born, um, out of us sitting together. And I just think the interesting thing when I really think about it, it's like how much is required, um, to get to the point of being creative. So say we have to do a bunch of editing or a bunch of writing. Like I, th- I think, if you were with us, like we require like going to a coffee shop, having a coffee, 
listening to some music. Like maybe like I require like I like to work out in the morning before I do anything mm-hmm. creative. So like we both have uh, interesting like ways to get into the creative mindset. And now that we're independent and not in uh, a bigger structure, yeah. we have that opportunity to do it. And I'm seeing it more now that there's like individual processes. But we've always been like that. We just couldn't do it as much when we right. were in the conference room setting. You know, when we were in that setting, it was, hey, do you want to get a coffee? Which is a totally right. acceptable thing to do when you work mm-hmm. for a bigger company. It was, you know, leave for 20 minutes and get a coffee. Right. I think you and I would stretch it yeah, yeah. and make it an hour and, and like flow a little bit. And then we'd get into a conference room and we'd be all caffeinated and yeah. work through the idea. And, and that's what we needed. Yeah. Now we're independent, like you said, so we can go even further where, you know, you decide to work out. I yeah. need extra sleep, whatever right. it is. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's tension, like whether the creative partnership be between two people or between you and the company that you work at. Um, there's, there's tension there where it's like, okay, I have my own way that I can come up with an idea. And for me, that, that might be going on a walk outside with headphones in, going to a coffee shop and writing things down and coming up with an idea. But the expectation of the other person is that, and if that's a company, the expectation of the other person is that you'll do it at your desk, um, or within a certain structure. So that that, I I brought up the question for that. I, I think like, um, just when you're in any sort of creative partnership, like as a creative, your ideas come in unique ways, like, and unique to yourself mm-hmm. and your process of like, when you want, like, when are you your best writer, your best editor, your best, um, you know, whatever that is, is very individual. And so the expectation of the other person might be, Hey, Colin, let's like for me, Hey, Colin, let's meet at 9am and from nine to five, I want to work on this project, but that might not be when you're at your peak creative. Absolutely. For me, right? my best creative work sometimes comes at 3.30 in the morning when I can't sleep and I have to write something in my iPhone notes. But I've been up until four at that point because I'm so excited in the middle of the night. Right. And then I wake up trying to meet you maybe at 9, 9.30 mm-hmm. and it's awful for me to wake up because I've been up all night. <laughs> right. So that, that's what I meant is that there's a unique, um, a unique situation that at least for me, I've, I've had to um, learn how to empathize more with someone else's creative process. Cause my expectation is that, okay, I'm, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to work out. And then once we hit 9am, we're just hitting the ground running on something that we had on our to-do list. And sometimes that thing that I really wanted to get done, um, it requires a lot of creativity from you, but you might not be in the space yet. Mm -hmm. And that you might not hit that space until 11 PM at night. And so that is at least for me, a, a unique, thing that has changed is that when you're out of that structure of like nine to five, or you're out of that structure of like, we're going to get in a conference room and we're going to finish it. I think our creative has become a lot better, but it's because we both individually have been uh, able to get to the points where we are um, at our most creative. And it's because we create these process, this, this creative process for ourselves where we're like, it's most enjoyable. Um, so that, that I thought, I think is a unique challenge in, in creative partnerships, the expectation, um, of the other person having similar processes you have. I would agree with that. I think we should move towards the execution. So we're obviously both creative. We both come up with ideas. We both come up with ideas together, working off each other, but generally how do our projects work and what are our roles as you see them? As I see them. Yeah. Okay. And I think yeah. we've talked about this before. I'm sure yeah, we yeah. agree. We, this is what we do on a daily basis. Right. I, 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 it's funny because I don't think these 
have changed very much over time. I mean, maybe a little bit, but they've been kind of the same. I think if I was to define uh, my role, and the funny thing here is that I went to uh, film school and Colin didn't, and I like was a worked as an editor and Colin edited his first project a couple months before we met. But I would define my role as a um, producer, and I would say I'm, I'm a I'm a producer director in our relationship. And so what that means is that oftentimes one of us might either one of us could come up with the idea. Um, but oftentimes my role is to push us into the position for the creation to happen. So whether that be, we said, man, we need to create a video about X, then I will get in a room and ensure that we can get cameras into a space to make that video um, and set up a time and ensure that there is like all the pieces in place to create that. Um, I think where you come in is that you, you oftentimes are holding the camera and have the vision once it's, I've created the box that says we're going to do this. Then you have the vision to say, okay, this is what it's going to look like. And then once we get the um, footage, then we are, um, y- you're taking the first pass at cutting it and actually being like, okay, here's, here's how I think it can look. And then oftentimes I'll come in at the end and say, okay, here's the, the final pieces or here's some feedback or whatever. And then it's done. So to put that into shorter <laughs> like form, there's uh, an idea. And then once you have the idea, you have to push your, put yourself in a position to execute that idea. That's my role. Mm-hmm. Then there's a vision of what that's going to look like once it's done. That's yours. And then you actually have to start doing. That's you. And then you have to finish and distribute, which is me. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of like a sandwich. It's definitely a sandwich <laughs> yeah. of sorts. Of sorts. Yeah. And we switch back and forth and we... we play different parts of roles during a different project, but I would agree with that. Generally, it's it's either one of us comes up with the idea, you are the producer level of making the calls or even just deciding, you know, we cleared our schedule, Thursday's the day we make that happen. I come in on the execution side. I would consider myself a writer. Yep. And then take it to maybe 80%, and then you come in and maybe top it off. Yeah, and I think that's uh, something that's really important in a creative partnership to like sink into your your roles and understand what the other person's role is and like how you how, how it all works. Because if you start overlapping, it's it it can get really challenging. And that's something that I don't think I could have defined until this past year, when we were actually on other podcasts and people asked us, "What are your roles?" Mm-hmm. And you would answer it, or I would answer I mean, you would answer that question. I remember, I, f- I think it was the Paul Rabel podcast. You answered it, and I thought to myself, oh, yeah, that's right. And then we did another podcast mm-hmm. with Tom Boyd, and I answered it. And it just felt right again. It just it was like, oh, of course, actually, those are our roles. And in the early years of us working together, I wasn't as confident in exactly what our roles were or what my role was. And I remember thinking at times, should I want to play that role? Mm. Should I want to be more of a producer? Like, am I less of an employee or something because I'm not as much the producer? And then I finally have really sunken into my role and being the best that I can be at my role. Yeah, and I, I think that, that right there, that's, that's a really important piece of a creative partnership is can you sit back and, and be like, okay, in order for this to work, there's things that, that I'm going to excel at and things that I'm not going to excel at. 
and how can I go as hard as, as I possibly can at the things I excel at, um, and have, you know, a complimentary role in my partner, but start to really like, you got to lose quite a bit of ego. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that comes with a lot of time, but you know, you get, you got to lose a lot of ego because you, you want to step back and look at a product. And I think you and I can look at a product and be like, yeah, we, we both created that. Even if one of us did a lot more of one thing definitely, um, and the other, cause you know, the, you edit a lot more of the content than I do. Um, but I truly look at every piece and think that it's a collaboration. It is. And it is. And I think that's where in a creative role, if you sign up for something like this, um, you have to understand that it's all under the umbrella of the collective. Like every piece matters and you have to look at the other person's role and make sure that you truly authentically believe that their role matters Mm -hmm. just as much as your role. Um, and I think that, that can be like if you're in an environment where there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle and, especially in a creative, like whether it be video or any sort of other art, there's going to be people who play small, small roles um, or might seem small. You take a film, for example, and you watch the credits at the end and like how many different people are involved. And, you know, someone might be just setting the stage where it comes to craft services or bringing food to set. But everyone's role is like incredibly important. Um, And I think of that sometimes too when we're doing something and I – think you know we're having a hard time coming up with an idea or something like that it's like all right can i can i in my producer role put us in a new environment or a new position or can i you know ensure that if we're in a group to set the vibe in a way that's like hey can let's let's relax or let's take some time and um those little things i think in like a in the grand scheme of a project you have to be able to look at them and say like they're all valuable to this project is there a recent video or recent project that we've done where you can explain and sort of show exactly where we fit in? Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, we did a video with a a YouTuber named Mary Spender and I think that's a, it's a good example. It's, it's recent. Uh, the video on our channel is called how to collab. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because you did a hundred percent of the editing on that and the writing. Um, but the piece came together, Mary reached out to us. And then from that moment, I, we, we talked about it. We said, this, this seems like a cool opportunity. We should do this. And from there I took on the scheduling. Right. Mm -hmm. So from there I'm like, okay, let me coordinate with this girl. Let me, let me figure out a time that we can meet up with Mary where we can actually like create a a situation where we're going to film. Yep. Then we talk about it from that point where I'm like, we have a date. We might not have any ideas right yet. But that's where I create a situation where we have to have an idea. Mm-hmm. We don't have a choice. It has to happen. Yeah. So now we know there's a date to turn cameras on with her. So from that point, once we get there, then you know cameras are on. We're figuring it out. Once that is uh, in motion, oftentimes that's when you come to life. Like once we are sitting there filming, I, I usually see... Uh, you come to life with like just being like, okay, I get what this piece can be about. Yeah. And that's when like the energy really picks up there. And then once that happens, we, we filmed the entire day and then you took the footage and, and took a look at it and then essentially cut the entire piece, wrote it, sent me voiceover to record. I recorded the voiceover and then it went up and I had never, I did not touch a piece of that timeline. I did not, um, you know, put any sort of input into the writing of it. But that's an example where I would say that, you know, 
uh, I can step back and be like that. That is a true embodiment of our collaboration. Yep. So. I think that's a really good example. And, yeah. And getting back to value, I completely value the role that you take in making sure that that arrangement even happens in the first place. Right. So, yeah, I think that like the, the, my, my best thing uh, to remember in, in a creative environment that has more than one person um, is to value everyone's role and, and lose a lot of um, ego in, in that situation. The interesting thing about you and I working together is that I initially worked for you mm-hmm. and now we work together as equals. And there was a long process of, you know, two to three years of finding out that we were good creative partners together, but you were my boss, you know? So mm-hmm. even though it didn't feel like that, was there a period where we were becoming so close of friends really outside of just, you know, this like boss employee relationship that you were concerned that we were becoming too close of friends and that may hinder your ability to manage? Uh, I think when we started out, we started out under the context of like a working relationship um, and under that relationship of like, I was, you know, I was managing you, uh, which is weird to say now and think about, but because we started like that, as we got closer and a friendship developed, we always had that as like the historical context. We didn't start as friends. Yeah. So I think that is a really important piece. And again, the values as we, as we grew was like the situation there was, was that where you understood that I had a certain amount of risk and and responsibility in that first project. And because of that, there, there, we developed a certain relationship to when we did get into other situations. It wasn't as much that that structure always remained, Mm -hmm. but that structure was the structure of TLN and of, of the first project. But once the structure started to change and the structure that we're in right now, we can just understand each other's roles. And I think maybe we could enter into another structure um, down the line where we take on a project and you're the lead on it. And I'm part of a team that's, you know, working under your vision. And I think that that could happen um, and that we would both respect those roles. And so I think that it's so much more just about um, the values of, of the other person and the other person look, taking a step back and being like, yeah, these roles are good for this project mm-hmm. and for this and for the collective of, of what we're trying to create. Yeah. Because in that time, those were the roles that made sense. And, yeah. and because of that context, again, I think we can, we can sit and respect each other's roles um, in a project. And as time went on, like, I don't, I think there definitely were times where I thought like, man, we are potentially becoming too close for this to be a comfortable situation um, for me to like say, I don't know, to, I guess to be that like boss figure. Mm-hmm. Um, there was definitely times like that, but the, the situation was as such across the entire project. It was like, yeah, we were all young. We were 22, 23, um, working yeah. on a startup. And I think it gets back to me understanding the risk that you were taking on by embarking on that project. So even though we were becoming really close friends, I understood what you were up against and that if you asked me to do something, I mean, I was all in on the project. So there was no, like you would never get pushback from me. Right. I don't think. 
when you would ask for some sort of task, because I understood yeah. that like I was working for you, you were paying me to do this stuff. I will respect that opportunity. Right. Yeah. And, and I, but yeah, I think that's, it's the same thing. I really believe that if, you know, as, as time goes on and if roles, uh, on a certain project shift, like we will both just understand them. Yeah. Like, and I, 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 we, we so much so have had experience now of seeing how things come to life and how much of a requirement it is to sink into your role and be the best at your role that you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. So, so when we, you know, got involved in our first project and then that company sold, we went on to work for that company. We were in a more structured, it was still a startup, but you could call it a corporate environment. We left that environment around the same time to go out on our own. Did you think at that time we, you would get involved or we would start a company like this? Well, yeah. I mean, I think we had a conversation before we had even left mm-hmm. over some pasta. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I left. We both left with the context of we're going to do this. Totally forgot about that pasta dinner. Yeah, we sat down and decided we were going to do it because I don't know. I'm not 100% positive that I would have left hmm. otherwise. Interesting. Um, I, I knew that I was getting ready to change things up. Yeah. But I, you know, I was also comfortable uh, in that environment. So I think you were less comfortable in that environment. And 100%. when I saw the opportunity to say, I think we could take this and you know, really make it our own. Cause I, I was, I was looking at it. And I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Like th- what I'm doing right now is what I want to do. I want to be in the media business. Um, this is what I want to do. So like I could have either grown it down that path and, and mm-hmm. moved into another situation. Um, or when we had talked and really started thinking about it and being like, could we do this and really own it, make it our own. That's what was exciting to me. It was like, I really trusted our, collective ability to create. And so when I looked at it, I was like, okay, I, I think that if we're both a hundred percent in, we're going to create something that's more of what we want to do a hundred percent of the time. And, and, you know, a lot of times when you're at a company or in a, in a situation, you can look at something and say, this is 80% or 90% what I want to do. Like I am 90% or 95% happy. And that's, that's where I was. Yep. Um, not realizing or not oftentimes do you have the opportunity or are willing to take the risk to say, could I be a hundred percent happy or could I be a hundred percent doing what I want to do? And I think when I looked at that situation, I was like, if this is 95%, there's an opportunity to go a hundred. Let's try it. Yeah. And so for me, like I, I left, we left at least from what I remembered. No, yeah, I actually... with the context of like, yeah, we're 100% going to do that. Well, I guess I asked that question because I remember us spending a good amount of time, you know, post-leaving that situation. And this is just you and I not knowing exactly what our business was when we left or how to go forward with it. But there was a good like six, seven months Mm -hmm. where you were working heavily with your family's Mm -hmm. company. I was supporting on, you know... Yeah, the things that we were doing together, but it wasn't as clear what we were going to be doing. But I did forget about that pasta dinner. I think <laughs> we had uh, worked on some, fi- we were filming something and yeah. we got dinner after, but not necessarily as like, let's meet and discuss our future or mm-hmm. whatever, what we're going to do. But we ended up just having a conversation and coming to the 
realization that together we were both 100% in on moving forward with whatever this future was going to be. Right. And, and still today, like it's not de- like a hundred percent defined. And that, that's, uh, one of the important parts of a creative partnership is just the commitment to f- like figuring it out and the commitment to being like, yeah, I mean, whatever this turns into, whatever path this goes down, we're not a hundred percent stuck on one thing. We know what we want to do every day. We know the type of, stuff we want to create. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that when we create stuff that we authentically enjoy and that we can sit back and be like, that was awesome. Then we are um, happy and excited. And if we can do that every day, that's the goal. And so however that unfolds over the next couple of years, months, whatever it is, like both in that conversation, I I got the sense that we were both just committed to that. Mm -hmm. And as long as we were committed to that, it was all going to figure itself out. So my last question for you, we're about, what are we, about a year into having the Colin and Samir company? Yeah. Do you now find yourself ahead or behind? Or how do you look at it? I always feel behind. I, I always, always, always feel behind. I felt behind when I was 13 and played uh, and booked our first show on the Sunset Strip at the Roxy. I felt behind. I thought that there was people doing more. And uh, I don't ever want to feel ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I think I always feel behind. I think you and I feel behind when we talk. Mm-hmm. We talk about where we imagine ourselves and we know the things we can do. We, we, we have, I think sometimes it, it becomes challenging to sit in a movie theater and watch a movie because you're yeah. like, how come I haven't made a movie yet? So I, I think I, no matter what, I will always feel behind. Um, but I, it's not that I feel anxious I don't feel um, upset. I don't feel anything about being behind except for the fact that I know that there's more that I could be doing every day. I think it's a healthy amount of feeling behind. Yeah. Because we do celebrate when good things happen, but feeling behind is what continues to drive us forward and keep us as energized as we were four or five years ago. If there's ever a day that I wake up and I think I've made it, I'm probably not creating good stuff. Yeah, because if if there's a day I wake up and I'm like, ah, I made it, then I'm not actually like there's nothing aggressively in my mind happening that's like pushing me to the next thing that I want to do. And so I I think that that will never happen. Mm -hmm. And I hope that it never happens. I find that I have most things that I need, but not everything that I want. And I probably will always want something else. It's, It's a good line. Yeah. And I find that working with you is my best opportunity and my most enjoyable path towards getting what I want. Yeah. In business, in life. Yeah, I agree with that. When you are fully capable of executing an idea top to bottom, why be in a creative duo? Why not be a solo artist? That sounds like an NSYNC, like Justin Timberlake question, but like yeah. that, that's <laughs> solo artist made me just think that like, I'm about to go I know, on a world but, tour. But meaning like, why not be a purely independent artist if you're capable of doing that? It's an interesting question because there are some projects where you may think that you've done it start to finish. But for me, that doesn't really translate because I understand and value your role in these projects. Sure. I can execute, I can execute things start to finish, 
but the opportunity to execute comes from you most of the time. So I don't know if that really relates to me specifically. Yeah, I guess uh, the reason I thought about it was because, like, in theory, you could uh, okay. step away and, and just be Colin Rosenblum. Sure, but I think right now, if I stepped away and I was just Colin Rosenblum, then I would be spending a lot more time doing work for other people and not on behalf of my own brand. And my own brand is Colin and Samir. That's our collective brand that we are working towards the IP and growing that brand so that it becomes valuable, right? And I think that as a solo artist, I would be spending a lot more time just trying to pay my bills by doing work for other people. Mm. So I think there's the opportunity in a creative partnership to share sort of that responsibility of there's some sort of work that we need to do to make money, right? And to build that side of the business together, which for us is doing videos and doing work for other people, but then giving you more time to build your own brand, right? Which mm-hmm. can really have value for the long term. Are you in line with that? Or? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> I, I was just wondering, like, why, like if someone is thinking to themselves, like, man, I, I don't need to be in a situation where there's other people. Like, I'm... I'm a good enough creative. And I think back to like, like, I don't know what his structure was like. I mean, like think back to artists like a, like a Picasso or like some of the old, like artist artists, like the, those are solo artists. They're in their room by themselves, creating art and, you know, going, putting it out into the world. And so I think it's just an interesting decision to make. Like when you are um, capable of creating something, um, you know, why, why be in a situation where you're, you're paired with someone else. Yeah, but is anyone really a solo artist? If you're getting paid to do something, you are now collaborating and working with other people. That's true. I just don't know if there's any such thing as totally working by yourself, right? Like, I even consider myself a self-taught filmmaker. But the more I look at it, I was watching YouTube videos. I was given opportunities to film by certain people. Everything was, in a way, collaborative and off the backs of other people. That's really interesting that I think you could argue that like, yeah, almost a hundred percent of creativity is in some sense collaborative. I read something recently about Michelangelo where he talks about, or he has been talked about as being totally independent and he was very proud of his independence that no one helped him. He would say that he was self-taught, but he did have a teacher and he was eventually funded in large part by the uh, Medici family. Right. And so Everyone, to some degree, whether you're a solo artist or not, Chance the Rapper is independent, right? Mm-hmm. But think about all the people that go into making you a successful independent artist. Yeah, that's true. It's true. So I think but basically the most important thing, if you're embarking on a, a path of being a creative professionally or even just if you have creative projects that you want to get off the ground one of the most important things is that you have to understand that there's going to be collaboration involved. And when it's your own idea that comes from your own head um, that you have a vision for, it can be challenging to have other people involved in that. And so I think what we want to get into now is the tips, tips and advice on how to actually enter into a creative partnership. What does that look like once you're creating with someone else or a group of people? And how can you implement some of these um, thoughts that we have into your everyday creative process? I would say the first tip when you're looking for a creative partner is to first look at yourself and understand what do you do best? You may be capable 
of doing every part of this project, but what do you do best? And can you go a hundred miles per hour towards that side of the project? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the most important things in creativity, especially when you have to do that work of looking at yourself and starting to think about how you would fit in with other people is actually writing. So I would say pen and pad, or if, if you like to type, whatever it is, actually write down the skill set that you have, the things that you like doing the most in a creative project. And from that, you'll start to actually have a visual representation of who you are in a creative partnership, because that's going to have to come to life if there's someone else uh, in the room, you're going to have to be able to understand who you are. Um, and then, you know, another, the, the step two of that, after you've written down what your role is, who, who you are and how you work, um, writing down, what do you think the other side is? Yep. And then once you find that someone who does the other side, do you value each other's work and do you value each other as people outside of the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think you have to write down, you know, that other role, like what's the complementary role to yours and look at that role and be like, can I honestly look at someone who's spending their time doing that and think that that's valuable to the entire creative project. So if you can do that, then you're that's step one. You are actually ready to receive a situation where you're in a creative partnership or in a group of people who are working on something together. I think I think it's very I think it's it's very idealistic and um natural to think like oh man let's get some people together and let's create something but the reality of it is especially if you're getting really serious about it um it's it, it is a challenge and can be a challenge and so preparing yourself mentally for what that could potentially look like is really important that's st- that's step 1 and part of that preparation is having that pasta dinner moment like we had of mm-hmm. getting together and really deciding and making sure that you're on the same page before you start. And, and there's probably a step before that, right? Like how do you even begin if you're a solo artist or someone who wants to embark on a creative path, there's a lot of tools right now on the internet and, and the way that you can connect with people on finding a creative partner, but really like practically, how does that happen? We have a unique story on how we ended up working together. Um, but I think, you can learn a lot from our story. So the way that we met is that you had put out something on the internet a video and I had seen it and the content connected, right? It was like, man, that is exactly the kind of content that I, that connects with me that I believe in. Um, I'd like to communicate with this person. So that's the initial thing, right? And so there might be something there of, if you are looking for a creative partner, look at the, you know, scan the content that you're consuming or look on the internet in the areas that you um, are trying to align with and see, is there someone out there that you could actually just reach out to? Cause like cold outreach like that, it can, it can work. 90% of the people that we still work with today, we met for the first time on the internet. Yeah. And through some sort of cold outreach, whether it be from them or, or from us. And a lot of times before we would go into any sort of financial agreement, we would work on a project together mm-hmm. just to understand and see how we mesh together. It's, it's so incredibly important to actually get that experience of working on a project. It can be as small or as, as big as you're comfortable with, but you know, working on one singular thing before you enter into some long-term arrangement with someone is, is incredibly important. So how do, you, how do you find that person? There's a ton of different ways to find a creative partner, but 
you know, the most important place to start is actually to just look at the type of creative that you connect with and that you're looking to create, find the people who are creating it and start emailing. And as you're working through that first project, keep your eyes open for how you work on conflict and how you resolve conflict together, because that will be huge as you move towards a longer term relationship. So you found a creative partner or a group that you want to create with. So the next step after that, the step after that is, is probably that role definition, um, or at least like understanding how everyone, um, how everyone's roles will fit in together in, in a creative process. And that might be actually writing it down and defining it, or it might start as a conversation, but eventually putting that into a, a, a written format is I think really important. Um, a written format that everyone can look at and, and agree upon. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not sure when, if ever we did that early on in our relationship, No, but I do think that there, there has been times where we have written, we, we have done a lot of writing together. Um, and that might be about a specific project. It might be a to-do list to say, Hey, these are the things we need to do this week. These are the things you're going to handle. These are the things I'm going to handle. And so it, it mm-hmm. comes out like that. But I would say if I was to give someone advice right now and say, you have just, met someone or are starting to think about collaborating with someone, something that's really important is to write out the roles, even if they're in bullet point format and have you both or all look at them and be like, yeah, that makes sense. They might change, they might shift over time, but at least an initial setting the context and the expectation of what everyone's going to be doing is, is really important. When was the first time that we had conflict in a creative project and how, and did we resolve it? Can you remember something like that? People always ask us like, do you fight and how do you get through issues? But I don't know. I can tell when you're in a bad mood. Yeah. I think you can tell when I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. I get pretty quiet. And so do you. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the only time I can really think about something like that was when we did the move probably, but it wasn't really conflict. I was stressed. Yeah. Well, once we were doing it, yeah, but I'm talking about beforehand. Like oh. going back and forth and arguing if it if it was a good thing to do or not. But so there it, was, it was pretty short-lived. There was one project specifically called The Move that Samir came into the office and, and brought the idea up that we would follow a pro lacrosse player, Paul Rabel, on his journey of being traded from one team to another. And Samir was on the side that this was a really important moment in the sport and that we should be the ones to follow it. And I was coming back at him that I didn't think that this was that substantial because I said, no one is talking about it. And then you said, we should be the ones to make people understand how important and substantial this is. And then I changed my thinking and said, you're right. I understand that. Yeah. So I, I think, I think honestly, if I think back, that's probably the most uh, conflict we've we've had to resolve. There might have been other points, but the important thing in a creative partnership is that if the resolution leads you to grow, and that moment really led us to grow, I think. We both understood through that project. It became one of, still to this day, one of my favorite projects that I can look at. But um, even look at that project. I think we've grown a lot from that project because this was a, a project where after that moment, I went on the road and I filmed for four weeks and I had to put an out, I had to put out an episode every week. And this was a high-profile athlete. A lot of people were watching, and I was a one 
camera guy unit. And I was stressed and I was really uncomfortable. And I told you this is, I thought at that time this would be my last project. I told you I was stressed out one night. I said, I'm going to move to Honduras. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I may have been joking. I may yeah. not have been joking, yeah. but I was on the NJ transit and I said, I'm moving to Honduras and I wasn't angry at you. Yeah. You were, we were kind of laughing because yeah. you could tell how stressed I was, but I truly thought to myself, this is not enjoyable for me right now. This has been a stressful experience, even though I was excited about the product that we were putting out. And that was, how long ago was that? Three years ago? Four. Four years ago. And now we have grown a lot more to the point where we either work together more in situations like that, so I communicate to you and you communicate with me so that I don't get as stressed or you don't get as stressed, or I have the support that I need when I'm filming, someone else is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had the luxury of having a lot of projects to work on together and to understand how do we work through some of this conflict? Mm-hmm. How do we make it easier for both of us, knowing our roles, how do we work together to make sure that our roles are easy for us to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, uh, that project specifically, we, you, know, you, you said the words, uh, you had to get an episode out every week. The interesting thing about us is that we always used to set, and we still do, we set really ambitious goals and guidelines that we just stick to. And the only people who are watching them is, is, is us. Like yeah. we, we made an announcement that this episode, this, this series would be weekly. We had we did not have to do that, but we did it. And, and we didn't know what the series was going to look like. We had no idea what this was going to be until the first episode came out. Right. Really until I went out, filmed, put together a seven to 10 minute episode that turned out to be like a really premium documentary style episode. And so now we were bound every mm-hmm. Friday in April by ourselves to put it out. Yeah. And I, I think it goes back to something we talked about earlier in the episode. There was just the reason why you could do that and communicate that this is going to come out every Friday is because we just knew it was going to happen. Like no matter what, I, I know that probably for you, there was some times I remember specifically before episode four came out, you called me and you were like, I don't know how this is going to come together. I still think that's the best episode of the entire series hands down but it was hours before we had, it was going it was supposed to come out yeah and it wasn't wasn't together but somehow yeah. some way it just it always happens i truly believe that deadlines and constraints are what push you to make your best work and, and that's probably the next tip in a creative partnership is that you set guidelines um deadlines meetings whatever that is put a structure around it because Oftentimes in creativity, things can be really loose, um, flowy, very, you know, let's, let's think of an idea. Let's, let's release it when it's ready. But if you're doing it yourself and no one's there to put guidelines around it, you have to do it yourself. Someone has to be the one to say, this is going to get done on this day. We are going to meet at this time on this day because creativity is truly at its best when there are restrictions. And that's what I give you a lot of credit for coming in is having and setting some of those guidelines and boundaries and constraints. So one person in a creative partnership has to be the one who's able to do that. Um, even, you know, you can have two people who are incredibly creative, um, but oftentimes that's why artists have managers or, or agents or um, are in a partnership with a group that is, is creating those deadlines and creating those restrictions because that's really how creativity happens 
when when I was in film school, that was every project we had some sort of restriction. You can only use this type of camera or you have to use this type of shot or you have to write something in, in this genre. Whatever those restrictions were, were actually the reason why creativity happened. If, if you just say to someone, come up with anything, it, it can be really challenging. So in a, in a creative partnership, someone in that partnership or some expectation of like, we're going to have to create some guidelines around this um, per project or just as a whole in our, in our business. I would say that's an advantage to a creative partnership, though. Is that, you know, when you're working by yourself, you can push your own deadline. When you're in a partnership, you're accountable to yourself and to someone else to hit that deadline. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. Which I see as a huge advantage of having a partnership. I agree, yeah. And th- that could be, you know, as, a, as an independent partnership or even within a company. Within a company, those structures and guidelines are really, you know, given to you and, and really strict. And that can be... Uh, that can be really beneficial. Um, it can also be challenging, but it's, it's crucial to actually creating. Yeah. And I think, I think the last piece that I'll say, the last piece I'll say is that Colin and I have been working together for six years and I think it's, it's Ryan holiday who says it, but like that in creativity, quantity is the path to quality. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, when you're in a creative partnership, the expectation cannot be that you're going to find a flow and create masterpieces immediately. It might happen, but the reality is that just like you get better at a sport or you get better at filmmaking over time, you also get better at collaborating and giving yourself the time and the space to learn, giving yourself low risk projects to work on, uh, and then even putting yourself in high risk situations just to see how you guys operate as a creative partnership, no matter what it is, it's the quantity of the projects that are going to lead you into the quality of your work and of your partnership. That was the first episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you were able to learn a little bit more about us and pull some lessons for yourself from our conversation. Just to recap, understanding how each other works in a creative environment, working through conflict, and setting goals are ways that we continue to strengthen our creative partnership. If you have questions about our partnership or just creative partnerships in general, you can tweet them at us at Colin and Samir, or you can comment on any of our YouTube videos. We tend to check the comment section pretty often. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll see you next week on the Colin and Samir podcast.